England is now at the point where it, the standard of living is going below uh, all those Eastern European countries that uh, people would come to England from before Brexit. Like they're, they are, they're fucked and they have no response to it other than uh, miserably clutching all the remnants of imperial majesty and power that they, that they have. They, they cannot die with dignity. David Baddiel is back. He's back, everyone. The 2022 winner of the prestigious Melt of the Year, David Baddiel, he's back in an early bid to be the winner of 2023. Winning two years in a row, that would be a first. Partly, but not entirely, because it's only been going for a year. David, thanks for coming on the show. It's an important moment of remembrance. So Baddiel turned up on Beth Rigby's Sky News show in what critics are calling the greatest comedy bit of all time. As one person put it in the YouTube comments, this is the funniest David Baddiel has been in years. And I have to agree with that. <laughs> I have to. Because the alternative is, is bloody worrying. So basically, David Baddiel is doing one of his classic Sasha Baron Cohen-inspired character pieces where he's pretending to be one of those easily offended, snowflakey, woke karate people that everybody hates especially him and he's going on sky news and he's playing this character to a t to sort of to show up all of the people on the internet and all the people on the left who who are like this and he does a great job it's a great piece of satire and you can see he's put a lot of money into the costume looks like he's got some quite expensive hair plugs particularly if you <laughs> compare him to his brother who's completely bald yeah, he's got a great head of hair for someone of his age. Also, he's not blacked up, which that's part of the character because anyone who knows David Baddiel knows that his natural state, the only way that he can feel comfortable in public is if he's completely blacked up. So, and so it's really quite an impressive achievement, this, this character that he's created. Or at least that's what I think is happening because, as I say, the alternative would be pretty, pretty dark. Because that would mean that he actually believes what he's saying, that this isn't actually a character. This is David Baddiel in 2023. Like imagine if you travel back in time to the 1990s and you said, you know, this this guy, David Baddiel, who makes jokes about porn and blacks up in 2023, he's going to be lecturing one of the leading anti-racists of our generation internationally renowned left-wing activist and politician Jeremy Corbyn on what anti-Semitism is. People will be like, yes, yeah, actually probably sounds about right, to be honest. David, thanks for coming on the show. It's an important moment of remembrance. I wanted to ask you... To it's quite weird, like, editing at the beginning. So she sort of says... David, thanks for coming on the show. It's and he sort of nods, and then it just cuts, and she's into a question, presumably... Yeah, there's quite a lot of editing in this. It's an important moment of remembrance. I wanted to ask you to start off with it. For your family, it's not an abstract, though, is it, this day? And the, the po-faced power of Badil's performance, it's, it's incredible. It's a central event in the story of your family and where you come from. Mm. Can you tell me first about your family and your mum's early life? Yeah, uh, so my mum was born 
1939. So then, so Badil goes into his family history, which I don't know, like, fine. I mean, this is Holocaust Remembrance Day. So, um, you know, the most important thing is what happened to David Badil's family, apparently. We don't want to make it, we don't want to distract from the issue. I mean, it'd be one thing if through the lens of his own family trauma, he had some interesting insights to give us about the Holocaust, but he doesn't. He's basically got a sort of GCSE level knowledge of what happens and that's fine but it's not newsworthy is it really it's not like I mean I wouldn't go on and talk about it I'm I'm, I'm not saying I've got a better knowledge but I just wouldn't go on Sky News and try and sort of wax lyrical about what happened in the Holocaust and what what meaning it why it resonates with today or why it doesn't and I wouldn't expect Sky News to have me on either. But here we go. David Baddiel, Sky News. He knows nothing. Peter, you've uh, added nothing. And even though she came over as a baby, you have to understand the inheritance of trauma. So she grew up, whether or not she actually... She got out of Nazi mm. Germany, but she grew up with two people whose lives had been totally ripped apart, who'd lost their families, who'd I lost love the, the sensitivity of all this. It's all... You have to understand inherited trauma like I do, David Baddiel. And there's a kind of, like, patronising, like, why wouldn't we understand it? And why would you understand it more than we do? This kind of arrogance that, here's someone that has discovered his Jewish identity late in life. Coincidentally, when he was trying to repent for some racism that he'd done in the past. And not only has he made his his interest and journey to judaism a completely public thing his twitter profile just reads david badil jew because that's that's what he is he's not a comedian anymore he's not even a documentary filmmaker or anything he is just he's just a jew he's just out there in the world being a jew not only has he made that like a really public thing but he's also sort of immediately just decided that he is an expert on anti-semitism on trauma has he done any research on that no he's just packaged personal anecdotes family anecdotes into a sort of narrative and said look this is stuff that's happened to me and i'm going to use that now to claim to be an authority on anti-semitism and in a way it's brilliant right because it is that is the problem with identity politics he doesn't really have a particular interest He doesn't have much knowledge, but he is a Jewish man who has experienced a little bit of anti-Semitism on occasion in his life. (laughs) And uh, the laws of identity politics, he is therefore an authority on that. And that's why this is the greatest satire you'll ever see. We talk a lot about closure now in our society, about getting through trauma. But how do you get through it if you can't completely trace it? There's one other thing, I think, which is to do with what I talk about in my book, Jews Don't Count, which is... You know, my book is about how progressive people, to some extent, downgrade anti-Semitism amongst the other things that they care about. And one way in which you see this is what you might call Holocaust fatigue. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, well, what I perceive it as is kind of, yeah, we sort of know about the Holocaust. Can we move on to other subjects? 
and also, uh, I guess, further on, a sense of, look, this is, which is a misnomer, this is a white-on-white -white tragedy, which it isn't, because the Nazis classified Jews as non-white, and so, therefore, we need to focus on other things because we focus... It's just crazy. It's just, it's just fucking insane. <laughs> David Baddiel trying to remind the world, we need to, you need to remember the Holocaust, guys. Here's... <laughs> but there is, like, a weird problem here, isn't there? Because Holocaust fatigue, right... The, even the idea of that being a thing is because we talk about the Holocaust, we learn about the Holocaust more than any other historical atrocity or, or just event of any kind, right? It's like, well, can we talk about some other subject? <laughs> David feels like, no, you can't. But I, I know quite a lot about the Holocaust. Yeah, but you don't know everything, do you? No, but there are some things I know literally nothing about that are never mentioned. Can we talk about some of those? No, we can't. The real question is, why is David Baddiel doing this? Why does he feel the need to go on the Beth Rigby show? Never mind, why does the Beth Rigby show allow him on? I mean, imagine David Baddiel. Sky News want you to come on, of course, and talk about the Holocaust on Holocaust Memorial Day. Of all the people in the UK, of all the people in the world, Sky News want you, David. But why, why does David want to do this? Is it, is it guilt? Is it that last push? against the sliding into relevance that pretty much always happens with comedians as they get older. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not a problem being a washed up comedian. It's still a good life. I don't know why David Baddiel can't just get involved in some afternoon quiz show. Why can't he just, why can't he take a leaf out of Jasper Carrot's book, Alexander Armstrong? How about this? David Baddiel or no deal, yeah? In the years after the war, people said never again and that it seemed to be the accepted position, never again. Anti-Semitism continued to exist, but it felt like it was on the margins, spewed out you know, by crackpots. And it doesn't really feel like that today, though, does it? It, it feels centre stage. Mm. Do, you, do you feel that? Well, I, th and, I certainly think, think it's been, it's been normalised. Coming I... from? Where's it coming from? Is it the sort of mainstreaming of hard-right politics in the US? What, what's it about? Uh, well, it's a really dull answer, but I think it's the internet at heart. I mean, obviously, there's also other things like the rise of populism, which tends to look for easy targets, and the Jews yeah. are always a target, and the rise of conspiracy theory, and almost all conspiracy theory at some level comes back to it was the Jews, um, and economics. Economics, yeah. If you've got a dysfunctional economic system, people are going to start getting angry. They're going to start asking questions. They're going to start pointing fingers. It's because as the world goes more and more into the bad economic, economic pits, then again, they look for somehow or other people who are responsible for that scapegoats, and those are often other Jews. And of course, a lot of the tropes, the anti-Semitic tropes, are systemic problems inherent in capitalism. And so I think the best thing to do is, and, and it's sad that this is really, well, it's, you can't ever be safe, fully safe, but this is the, the best way to stay, stay as safe as you can is to have a functioning economic system, to not allow certain class interests, certain parts, certain parts of the economy, like for example, the financial sector, the bankers, you shouldn't allow them to have undue power, undue control over how the country's working, because that's the kind of thing that can easily be twisted into people thinking that there's some kind of Jewish conspiracy. So what you need to do, I think, you know, it's not, a foolproof solution. It's not a final solution, but it's a solution is 
vote in decent political parties, political leaders, vote in people who are outside of the political environment that has created this situation, that's got you into this mess, vote for someone who's critiquing that, who has been outside of that. Now that opportunity is difficult. It's difficult to even create the circumstances under which that sort of opportunity might arise. One time it did though was in 2019, I voted for Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> David Baddiel didn't. I don't know who he did vote for, but he didn't vote for Jeremy Corbyn. And as much as I hate it and we all hate it in a two-party system, that meant that Boris Johnson was going to become the prime minister. David Baddiel is an idiot. He's a stupid man. <laughs> I, I, there's no problem with that. You know, you don't need to be a clever man to present golden balls. I think he'd be a good presenter of that show. But David Baddiel is sort of obsessed with this idea of anti-Semitism, that he's the only one that can fight it when he's actually creating the conditions under which it will thrive. It's very annoying. We now have sort of celebrity anti-Semitism in the form of Kanye West, right? Yeah. How, how troubled were you by that? <laughs> so Beth Rigby brings up two examples of celebrity anti-Semitism, I suppose. Or maybe just one example of that, Kanye West. But then the next thing that she talks about, the only other example of anti-Semitism is what happened in the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn. There was also, of course, Jeremy Corbyn, um, the Labour's anti-Semitism crisis. Um, how damaging was that? And how much did that cause a resurgence of anti-Semitism in the UK? Well, I think that... Um, there was... <laughs> well, how would David... David Deal is in no position. How would he know anything? And we'll see this, right? He doesn't know anything about what happened in the Labour Party. Because, I don't know, he's just not that interested or he's not very... Like, he, I think he maybe is quite passionate about... He's become sort of radicalised. He thinks there is some issue seemingly on the left that is causing anti-Semitism or that the left aren't fighting anti-Semitism. I don't really know. He never really says. But even if he is very passionately, but if he does really believe this and really is involved... and and really cares a lot and is worried for his children. Yet at the same time, he can't really be bothered to look into it too much. <laughs> and that maybe just is the sort of person he is. He doesn't think that the, you know, he thinks he probably, maybe thinks he has looked into it a lot. But as we'll see, he doesn't, he hasn't. There was unquestionably anti-Semitism on the far left and some of that infiltrated the Labour Party, infiltrated the Labour Party more following Corbyn's appointment. Um, and what I always felt, which is perhaps slightly different, because I was never one, actually, who believed things like this is an existential crisis for the Jewish community and mm. things. I never believed that. Well, some people did. Some people did think it was an existential crisis, David. So it sounds to me, and I don't wish, I don't wish to appear facetious, but uh, some people made that argument very strongly. And it sounds to me like you think that they were overstating the problem, which, as we all know, or as we all should know by now, is itself anti-Semitic, isn't it, David? <laughs> That's what you've done. You did an anti-Semitism. What I did believe is that Jewish people do feel threatened 
I sometimes feel threatened by this. I certainly feel threatened by the fact that we're trying to talk about it. We're trying to say, particularly some of us whose political homeland might be on the left, mm. we're trying to say there's a problem here. Mm. There are some voices here that we feel are crossing the line mm. into something that is sort of dangerous for Jews or whatever. And that was dismissed. Dangerous for Jews or whatever. And that was dismissed. <laughs> he was dismissing it as he was complaining about it being dismissed. Into something that is sort of dangerous for Jews or whatever. And that was dismissed. And this is the thing, yeah. This is the idea Jews weren't being listened to. It's like, okay, but well, they weren't, maybe they weren't saying anything to begin with. Oh, no, they definitely were. There's definitely lots of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Well, we've had a lot of inquiries, endless news coverage, and still... All that's been found is people complaining about not being listened to. When a minority says, this yeah. is racist, right? Your job is not to say, no, it's not. We're not interested and there are more important things to say. Can I ask you directly, did you think Jeremy Corbyn was an anti-Semite? I actually don't think that straightforwardly, no. <laughs> I actually have a very nuanced take. I mean, it's just, do you think <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn is anti-Semite? Actually, no. It's just the, very, the fact that in 2023, that's like, wow. You don't think that. Of all the people in the world, you don't think he's a racist. And maybe David Badil does know best. He is obviously a racist himself. So, or has been in the past and is now grown. He's a bit like, um, he's a bit like, what's his face? Um, the Catch Me If You Can, Frank. He was a con man. He was a racist. He was caught. And now... He's working for the FBI to catch other racists. It's just like, uh, we've got this computer hacker, he's the best in the world, and now he's working for us. And that's what Badil's doing. He's, he's finding other racists. He's going deep undercover. He'll black up if he has to. He'll do anything to catch these racists. And I'm, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure if, if people who like David Badil are listening and they're like, stop going on about the blacking up thing. And it's like, well, that's how jokes work. They become running gags. And that's like pineapple on, on, on his head. That was, a, it was an ongoing gag. It only really works if you keep banging the message home. But deal as a comedian will know that and respect it, I'm sure. I absolutely do not think that Jeremy Corbyn, in the front of his mind, hates Jews. I don't think Jeremy Corbyn would say things that Kanye has said. Well, again, you know, sorry to stop you there, Badil, but a lot of people in the Labour Party, pretty prominent members... People like Mar Margaret Hodge, for example, have outright called Jeremy Corbyn a fucking racist, a fucking anti-Semite. And you're saying that he's not. And, you know, this, again, really makes me worried that you, you, you're sort of at least implying that people in the Labour Party have exaggerated the issue of anti-Semitism. And I really hope that isn't what you're doing, David, because by golly, if Starmer hears about this... In the front of his mind at all. What I do think is that he comes from a tradition that sees anti-Semitism as a lesser evil compared to, say, capitalism, right? So in my mind, and I talk about this in my book, and I talk about it a little bit in the documentary, so the reason, from, in my mind, why Jeremy Corbyn can't see that that mural uh, of men playing the Monopoly on the backs of the world's poor might be anti-Semitic is he just sees rich men playing Monopoly on the backs of the world's poor because he's interested in destroying and fighting against capitalism. Unfortunately, it's very clear to Jews that they all look really Jewish and, uh, and they're part of a tradition is... that feels like this is a sort of Nazi caricature. Oh, the mural. Yeah. 
Okay, so... <laughs> You know, Badil, you could go look up and actually find out what happened there. But but I understand, you know, you, you, you latch onto this idea, as Badil does, and, and you just try and grab hold of anything that confirms your narrative. And if something confirms your narrative, you don't question it. You don't look too deeply into it. You don't go, well, maybe I shouldn't trust the sources that I'm getting this information from. Maybe I should look into it myself. Or you're just a completely bad faith actor. But either way, Badil thinks that Corbyn doesn't see anti-Semitism anywhere, ever, because he's so obsessed with anti-capitalism. Obviously, Badil doesn't have any idea about marches against fascism, particularly in support of the Jewish community that Jeremy Corbyn has led throughout his life. He's been deeply involved in the fight against anti-Semitism in a way that, again, no judgment on David Badil. He was doing fantasy football. Yeah, like, I'm not, there's nothing wrong. Fantasy football was fine, apart from it being racist from time to time. But it's not like you have to fight anti-Semitism for your entire life to not be racist. I mean, blacking up, not blacking up, that helps. That definitely helps. But you don't have to be, say, someone like Jeremy Corbyn to be not racist, say, maybe not anti-racist, but not a racist person. But the thing is to then, David Badil to then talk about someone who was actively fought against racism, fought against anti-Semitism for decades, and to call that person an anti-Semite, while all that he's done is, like, bullshit TV shows, which, again, are fine, but, it's like, what? it's just outrageous to, to make those kind of statements. So, what's the claim? Well, I don't think he's anti-Semitic. I just think he's misled. You don't know anything about it. <laughs> Corbyn said after the highly critical report was released about um, the scale of anti-Semitism in, in, in Labour that it was dramatically overstated by opponents. He was then suspended, the whip, whip removed from him. It's more like David Baddiel sees anti-Semitism everywhere rather than Jeremy Corbyn sees it nowhere. And, and Keir Starmer is not doesn't seem to want to allow, is not going to allow Jeremy Corbyn back into the party. Do you think that's right? Or sort of don't want to get into that. Only because I tell you why I don't. No, I'll tell you why I don't want to get into it, which I think is important. I don't want to get into it because in, a do, in an interview about Holocaust Memorial Day, where I think it's really kind of important that the details to... and the understanding of the Holocaust is continued, and I'm trying to help a little mm. bit by doing this interview. What will happen if I start talking about the Labour Party in too great detail? The... That becomes the thing. You do want to talk about it, and you do end up going on to talk about it. You just wanted to put in this weird thing. Well, I'm actually just here to talk about the Holocaust. Um, and anybody, you know, this is like this. So now anybody that you know makes a podcast criticizing your uh, interview, I I'm now uh, disrespecting the Holocaust because I want to talk about what you actually talk about, which is Jeremy Corbyn. I didn't vote Labour the only time I've not done that at that point. Why not? In okay. time. Um, because, yeah, because I felt I felt overall not listened to, right. not, you know, the thing about the left, right, I guess, and this is very simplistic, but, and obviously there's all sorts of economic things to do with the left or whatever, but as a minority, the thing about the left, particularly now that identity politics is mm. such a thing, is that it should be a sanctuary. <laughs> the funny thing is, right, that David Baddiel wasn't, I mean, I don't know what, what the timeline is here, the time frame, I don't know what he was doing in 2014, 2015. But it's, you know, the, David Baddiel found his Jewishness and found the fact that he wasn't being listened to 
from coming from a position of not giving a shit. That that evolved at the very time that Jeremy Corbyn's leadership took took hold in the Labour Party, right? So it's like it's very convenient. It's not like <laughs> David Baddiel, lifelong supporter of the Labour Party. I mean, I'm sure we voted Labour fine, but like felt that like the Labour Party was a sanctuary for him as a Jew because he didn't even really identify that much as a Jew. He didn't really care about it, right? And then it's like, oh, actually, it's really important to me. I need to seek sanctuary in the Labour Party. Oh, I can't because of this anti-Semitism crisis. David Baddiel should feel angry. He should. He's been told by Jewish newspapers, by journalists, by Labour MPs that there was a problem of, of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and this has made him worried. There's a problem about anti-Semitism in the country more significant than there has been before. And they've turned to the Labour leadership when Jeremy Corbyn was leader and they hadn't dealt with it. And he's gotten all of this information secondhand. He's not a Labour member. He doesn't really care. He, doesn't really, he hasn't really looked into it. But he feels like it's an important, like, visceral thing for him, even though it's not, you know, it's a totally abstract thing and it's also not true. But there we go. You know, if I would like, it would be great if he... If this clocked, if he if he clocked this, because a lot of people are like that, and I think don't be ashamed, don't try and bury your head in the sand just because you were tricked into not voting for Labour in two thousand nineteen. Turn around and say, look, I can't believe that that this was done to me. This is the thing, and this is the thing with with scams. You know, when people are scammed, they're often too embarrassed to to admit even to themselves that you know the that they got they got duped because it's like well you know you think i'm an intelligent person i can't get scammed but everybody can get scammed that's the thing apart from me of course although i am doubly vaxxed so <laughs> there is that uh but <laughs> but you know it's it, it saddens me because Badil it looks like he's setting himself up for pineapple on his head part two you know this is gonna be another thing in, in 10 years you know somewhere down the line he's gonna be like oh god you know i did the bloody pineapple on his head in the 90s will never live it down and just as i thought i was turning a leaf i was actually fostering anti-semitism in the uk and destroying any chance of a progressive left-wing government but will you go back now yeah yeah okay well, look, let's go back. Go back, by the way, I'm not a member. I've never been a okay. member of any particular party, well, look, but I'll vote for them. Can I just say one other thing about the Labour Party, actually, just come back to it, even though I didn't want to? Oh, actually, let's do talk about the Labour Party now that we're on it. I mean, you know, fuck Holocaust Memorial Day. Let's talk about Labour politics. That's what it's all about. Come on. You hear a lot is that Corbyn did a uh, various investigations into it. I think the Chakra Party report. Yes, he did. And then more recently, the Ford report. Yes. I'm also interested in the fact that any, I think they were into different things, but they were primarily into anti-Semitism. Almost any other investigation into racism would involve the, a member of the minority heading that report, would it not? Generally, I can't imagine a report into anti-black racism now in which there not, was not a black person mm. at the head of that report. That would be seen as intensely racist. But Shami Chakrabarti is not Jewish, and Martin Ford mm. is not Jewish. So what's that about? Is there a sense what in which... do you think that's... Well, I think there's a sense in which a Jew would be seen as biased. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, Beth Rigby doesn't even come back to him on that. It's incredible. So, that, that's... I mean, this is the sort of thing that makes me think Badil does genuinely think, like, this is not bad faith. He just literally has no idea what's going on. 
And it's incredible. And that's, you know, again, why should he? You know, why, who, who, who the hell cares? Uh, me, uh, Margaret Hodge, to some degree, um, you know, a handful of people at JVL, Heather, um, you know, it's not many people at this point, but David Deal does for some reason. Um, although not enough to actually look into anything he's talking about. So obviously the Ford report was commissioned by Keir Starmer, not Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, so minor detail that unless the whole premise is that the problem was Jeremy Corbyn and your idea is that isn't it suspicious that there wasn't any Jewish people running these investigations? Well, there isn't under Starmer. And a few seconds earlier, you just said, now the Starmer's in charge, I will come back to Labour, I will vote for Labour. It's like, well, you don't really fucking know, you know, you can't even look into this stuff. You just, you know, you don't care. The other thing, uh, why is a Jewish person not <laughs> doing the report? Well, it is a good question, isn't it? Um, the problem is a, you know, a large part of the problem is a disagreement within the Jewish community. And so it would be quite difficult to have a Jewish person it would have to be someone as clueless as David Baddiel himself. He'd be, the, he'd be the only person qualified. It's like that, what's that, the man who knew too little or whatever? The only person that can actually do this is someone who has no idea about <laughs> the Labour internal politics. There's also the powerful moment in the documentary where you apologise to the black um, former footballer Jason for racist sketches about him in the 1990s when you wore a black face. What? How hard was that to, to do that? Or what did that teach you? Did you have an awakening over that, that it was a sort of casual racism? As I became more aware. Quite a big edit there. I don't know what happened. She was sort of in mid-flow. That I should apologise to Jason Lee. And I did apologise to Jason Lee in print and, uh, in, in, and I apologised before. But then I, when I did this particular documentary, I thought, which is not a complete opportunity I had before, I should go and film a face-to-face uh, apology and thankfully Jason was up for doing that and it was re di really difficult he didn't in any way let me off do you from... feel terrible uh, yeah I felt terrible yeah totally felt terrible do you feel dreadful but at the end of it it was two hours in uh we only showed a bit of it in the documentary although I think you can see I think what I've learned is you've got to do something outrageous outrageously racist um and then you could make like a narrative arc a sort of redemption arc uh to come back um, and it's, it's inspiring, but, um, and maybe this is it. Maybe this is me starting it. This is my racist endeavor against, um, which I, you know, I realize now I reflecting back, it's, um, I've been a bit racist, uh, and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to David. And I'm sorry to the listeners out there. I've let everyone down. And I'm happy to apologize to David face to face. In 20 years, when I've got my own documentary on BBC or ITV or wherever it was, when I've got that, I'll, I'll apologise. No questions asked. Happy to do so. But it must have been... No, it was difficult, yeah. It should be difficult. Just, this is a slight kind of sort of tangential question, but bear with me. I mean, just because also at the height of the 1990s, Lad Cunnipshire, you, you you talked about um, pornography. You you your flatmate Frank Skin described you as a connoisseur of porn. Has your view of that changed over time? You know that the celebration of that is something you'd now repudiate because it's kind of for some women quite offensive to them. 
I, I'm just saying, like, the journey about kind of some of the sketches you made in the 90s, some of the things you did in the 90s around sort of comments about pornography, if you change well, your mind on that as well. Depends what you mean about that. So you, you see, I think the truth is in the detail. 4K resolution, you can really, really see <laughs> every detail. Um, but also, I would defend some of that stuff because a lot of it is about my own... Oh, yeah, do you remember earlier in the interview when you said, um, I don't want to talk about this because I'm here for Holocaust Memorial Day and let's stay focused on that, you know. We don't want to trivialise these things by talking about, I don't know, pornography, for example. In a way, what I do now as well, but certainly part of my comedy, was of confessional and being sort of absurdly over-honest and over-sharing or whatever. I did a show back then called The Too Much Information Tour. And for me, but I understand how other people would disagree, but for me, a lot of this is about me putting my... sharing my sort of failures, my warts and allness on stage. And part of that was porn. Part of it was all sorts of things, all sorts of bad behaviour. That, that if you can find a place of honesty about who you are... It's, a, it's amazing. Comedy, ..including stuff that now we might consider to be unacceptable... That's to to imagine this guy was ever a comedian. do that he's stuff just, anymore. I mean, and I that's why I think, like, this is either a bit, like, he's either doing the greatest bit of all time or he's, like, this just broken individual who's just been, like... It's almost like a sort of Stalinist, like, you have to renounce everything about yourself. So he's been a comedian in his whole life. He, he does kind of uh, warts and all, shocking confessional material. And now he has to say, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't do that anymore. And I understand why people, you know, wouldn't like what to, to mention that he watched pornography when he was younger. That would, that's offensive that I, I even, not, not that he even watches it now, but that he once did that. He has to renounce the fact that that ever happened. I personally think that, that that if you can find a place of honesty about who you are in comedy, including stuff that now we might consider to be unacceptable, that's often an interesting place to be. But I wouldn't do that stuff anymore. And I think... All right, so so he it's so it's so wishy washy. It's like he said, well, I I I'll push back on that. To be honest, if you can find a place of honesty, or whatever, through comedy, that's a good thing. But I wouldn't do it now. So it, it was what. It's not a good thing anymore, or you're against good things. Anyway, um, on his uh, Holocaust Memorial Day interview with Sky News, uh, they spent a good few that, minutes talking about pornography. Certainly that the pornification of our culture and about the incredibly the flooding of, again, to do with the internet, the flooding of our culture with pornographic imagery is not a good thing. Wow. Yeah, because for Strong some words. women, they think the... the, the, the Pornification. They think women don't count. Well, they don't. Yeah, of course, count. I agree with that. I agree with that. So I guess it's. I guess the industry I, I, okay, has changed so, very much from when you. Yeah, I'm going to say something else. If you want, this is a whole other conversation. But I was always of the belief, and I continue to be of the belief, that um, that you can be interested in women sexually <laughs> and not dismiss them as people so the <laughs> wow i mean that's that's pretty I, I take it all back that's a pretty nuanced position to hold you can be sexually attracted to someone and not like dehumanize them into, entirely into like some kind of living breathing fuck doll objectification of women that obviously goes on in pornography oh. i personally think that 
if you think that means that women are people who cannot be thinking people, that women cannot be CEOs and judges. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I, I, saw, I saw a porn film once where the woman was, was a CEO in the film. It was inspiring stuff. As valuable members of our society as men, if your sexual interest in them via pornography becomes a diminishment of them as human beings, and it obviously can, then that's a corrosive effect of mm. pornography. Mm. I'm just going to tell you that that... Yeah. That, however much pornography I've watched, that's never happened to me. Well, you say that, Badil, but, you know, who are you as a man? How would you know that? I think it's very interesting, isn't it? Got all of these inquiries into David Badil and his objectification of women and whether he even sees women as human beings anymore. There's been many inquiries into it. None of them have been led by a woman. And it's got, com it's got more complicated from the 1990s to the, yeah. the 2020s, right? That's we can true. all agree that. Well, it depends what you're into. If you want to torrent stuff, then arguably it is a bit more complicated than it once was. At the end of your documentary, you express hope that the dial is shifting. Do you feel like people are beginning to understand more about anti-Semitism, that, that it's improving? I think I and other people, not just me, have created a conversation. <laughs> not just me. I haven't single-handedly changed the dialogue on anti-Semitism. I mean, you know, I can understand why you might think that, so I'm just putting the record straight. It wasn't entirely me. Wait, Anna, why does he think that it's got better? I thought the whole point of the book and everything was it's got worse. But I see a constant toing and froing of it. So... It's two steps forward, four steps back sometimes. I mean, Kanye is quite a... It's two steps forward, four steps back sometimes. Other times, it's 10 steps forward, one step back. But then again, you know, sometimes it's 12 steps forward, 14 steps to the side, seven steps back. So is, have we got, have we improved? Have, well, you know, maybe. <laughs> All his answers are so like wishy-washy. I mean, Kanye is quite a good example, if I could turn to that, in that when Kanye said his things and said his really outrageous stuff about Jewish people, there was quite a pushback. And for a moment, I thought, oh, he's really being called out properly or whatever. But then what I noticed... <laughs> whatever. <laughs> ..is a little bit after that, when Kanye was... Uh, ..had some strictures given to him by Adidas, whoever else it might be, people started saying, you see, Jews are in power. You see, Which Jews are able to shut him down. It's all Jews doing who's, this. Who's said this? Some people so on Twitter. It feels to me it's complex and cyclical and goes in, in loops. It goes in... This, this is his idea of, of anti-Semitism as a problem in society going in a loop. Is that Within the space of a few days, he saw some people on Twitter saying, yeah, anti this anti-Semitism is unacceptable. And Badil was like, ah, yes, we can see. Humanity, society is being enlightened, quite probably by my book. But then next day he goes on Twitter and he sees someone say, you know what, the cancellation of those contracts, that's what, that was the Jews, they were doing that. And he said, oh no, society is being plunged into a new dark age. Because there's what, there's mixed opinions on Twitter and sometimes you see things you agree with and sometimes you don't. So it feels to me it's complex and cyclical and goes in loops. It's the great gyre of history. I'm going to try and end on a hopeful note. 
I think the conversation is shifting. I do think people are more aware, which is the most important thing, of anti-Semitism and how it can spiral into something extraordinarily violent. I think people are more aware of that than they were, and they hold it in their minds. More, more, what, more aware of it than doubt. when? Holocaust Memorial Day. Than before the Holocaust, when people weren't aware. Because I thought the idea was that we're getting Holocaust fatigue, that people aren't as engaged as they were. What, what are you saying? I think the conversation is shifting. I do think people hold it in their minds more, and part of that is, without doubt, Holocaust Memorial Day. Mm. I would say, if, mm. you know, it's important to remember those we have lost. I do it. I light a candle. Was... For the, I light a candle for my great uncle. He's like, he's like, I'm going to reiterate. I light a candle. Was... For the, I light a candle for my great uncle. <laughs> Why does he say it twice? Don't interrupt me when I'm telling you about this candle. I light a candle for the people I don't even know who I lost. <laughs> well, okay. I like I light a candle for all the pornography <laughs> that I no longer watch. It's I mean it's so I who cares what David Badil does on Holocaust Memorial Day like that. I thought it was just bigger than you, David. But I'm also trying to do something else, which is because that's about the past, which is to say there is an f- uncertain future and a dangerous future. I'm trying to do something else. I'm the well, why are you trying to do it, David? Thought about your motives here, because you're not in a good position to do it. Let's put it that way. There are other people in much better positions that you could promote, for example. And this is where it can go. And don't pretend that just because it happened what feels like a long time ago, it can never happen again. And so never I can. think that's the- that's why I don't like a candle, because <laughs> I know it'll never happen. What a waste of a candle. Well, David, thank you for so much for coming to talk to us about it today. It's a pleasure. <laughs> what does Beth Rigby even make of this? Like, why does she does she think like, oh, God, got to interview these fucking celebrities? I mean, maybe she's just yeah, she's just so jaded. She doesn't even care anymore. But I was thinking, like, even if David Badil did go down the right, the right and true road of a failing comedian, a comedian who was all, was never really particularly talented, one that sort of attached himself to more talented individuals, like a sort of parasite, like a parasite on society, sucking out the life force of the true, healthy, young men of, of England, like Frank Skinner. Uh, if he'd got, if, if Badil had gone down like the true path of that, then he would have got, um, he would have got a delightful afternoon quiz show with a saucy name like Golden Balls, maybe. Or maybe he could go with a more exciting name, like um, I'm thinking, well, you know, you've got something to do with uh, questions, uh, answers, solutions, maybe. Could have a show called The Solution. That's just what's called, called the solution. That's all. Um, which would be a perfectly normal name for if you think about it. If that, like if you saw a quiz show, not in the context of this podcast coming up with it, but if you just saw that on TV, you'd be like, oh, "Okay, the solution. That makes sense." And in the solution, you have to win. In the solution, you have the chance to win six million pounds. All you've got to do is separate, segregate. You could say the six million pounds from 
other pieces of paper which don't represent money. It's a bit like a crystal maze. You've, you've got like all of these pieces of paper, but instead of it being in like a big crystal dome thing, it's you're on a kind of flat surface, like a kind of territory. And you've got to just separate the money out and then move all the money to these things that are called cash chambers. And then you, you put them in the cash chamber and whoosh, up they go. And you've got that money. Uh, the Solution, great game, great game show. Uh, David Baddiel hosting, you know, with his, with his, his, his great wit, you know, still mostly just a sort of competent host, but every so often get a little glimpse of the old magic. A nice little phrase here or there, just putting the contestants at ease. Like a, like a pro, like a Jasper Carrot. And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing to see? But no, unfortunately, David Baddiel, he's got an issue. He's got this problem. He sees anti-Semitism everywhere. He can't escape it. But it's all in his mind. That's the thing. It's not It's not there, you know? No, seriously, though, um, I think I've been, I've, I mean, not I think, I know I've been, I've been racist again. I've said something racist. And I just want to say I, I've, I'm learning, I'm growing. And I apologize for that. That last thing that I just said about the quiz show and stuff, it was wrong of me. And I apologize to you, the listener. And I apologize to David, of course. And I'm happy to apologize to David in person. You know, if I make a documentary, etc. I don't want to get into it again. But yeah, so um, yeah, it's, um, it's good to learn. It's good to grow. And as you can see, it's very difficult as well. <laughs> That's the other thing I want to stress. You know, it's hard to apologize. It's really hard to, um, hard for me. And in many ways, you know, I'm the real victim here, having to <laughs> make this really hard apology. Anyway, so how long is, <laughs> how long we've been talking about this? I wanted to talk about tanks, but I uh, don't have time now. Maybe we'll talk about tanks next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This is a podcast, this is a real podcast. <laughs> what you just witnessed was an episode of a podcast. Please share this podcast with people. I want people to listen to podcasts. I mean, and by people, I want me like a few. I don't really envision this being a big, massive podcast, but I think more than whatever it is now. I won't, <laughs> I won't reveal the figures, but they're not huge. Also, I just want to say thank you to people that give money on Patreon. There's some people that have been giving money on that Patreon for a year now, and I feel like, hasn't really been enough content for the likes of <laughs> like that kind of dedication i really appreciate it uh, and i feel like i've let people letting people down in that regard now i'm going to try and get this podcast going as a as like a weekly thing and I, and the videos are coming the stomach video is coming i quite like to do something on vaccines but maybe that that can't be a video i don't know if that's allowed I'm not that bothered, to be honest, but it's kind of interesting what's going on. I quite like to do one on the kind of six degrees of separation of left-wing mainstream kind of media and talking about like who would Navarra have on their show, for example, versus who Russell Brand would have on their show, on his show, and where the crossover is, and then where the crossover is between those things and, say, GB News and say the BBC or Guardian. And I think it's quite interesting. You can see that, you know, 
there is they all bleed into each other in quite interesting ways maybe i'll just do another podcast podcast is much easier to just do these podcasts but yes uh i want to say thank you to the people that support the channel on patreon thank you so much for staying with the channel um and i hope that this year we can i can make this channel into something that has regular content <laughs> that's the that's the, what a what a low bar also i want to do one other shout out to our mystery benefactor who paid for this amazing sound equipment that i'm using right now thank you again so much for putting up the money for that really appreciate not only the fact that we now have decent equipment but just that someone was willing to give quite a lot of money to me <laughs> to, to make this this these bullshitty podcasts you know because uh, because i think sometimes you know uh, unlike david Badil, i think why would anyone listen to this stuff why am I bothering? And then someone comes along and says they really like the videos, they really like the podcasts, and they just want to make the show better. They, everyone's talking about how shit the sound is. Here's some money, make the sound better. And yeah, so that that was um, that, just little things like that sort of spur me on, I guess, um, because I don't really know <laughs> why I'm doing this or or if I, you know, where this could really go. And on that note, see you next week, if not before. <laughs> <laughs>